Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash HGK. This educational activity is supported by an independent grant from the healthcare business of Merck KGAA, Darmstadt, Germany. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on multiple sclerosis. This activity comprises two presentations. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello everyone, my name is Martin Weber from the University of Göttingen in Germany. I want to welcome you all to this activity on Bruton's tyrosine kinase and its inhibition in multiple sclerosis. In this presentation, the first part of uh, those two uh, sections, I will discuss our current understanding of uh, the physiological role of the enzyme itself, also how BTK inhibitors change the activation of immune responses, and third and most important, how BTK inhibition may uh, be a valuable addition um, to our armamentarium to fight both relapsing remitting and primary progressive MS. So at first, I believe to understand this therapeutic approach, we have to look at the role of B cells and antibodies in multiple sclerosis. This is a relatively busy slide, but in the center, the B cell plays a important role as antigen presenting cell for the activation of T cells. This is probably the most important role of a B cell in MS pathophysiology. On the left side, you can see that B cells are potent providers of cytokines, both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. And on the very right side, you see that, of course, B cells turn into plasma cells producing antibodies, and that these antibodies um, can augment uh, demyelination, but also probably play a role in uh, detection of otherwise uh, unrecognized antigen. Importantly, those roles of B cells probably occur on both sides of the blood-brain barrier. So on the one hand, of course, in lymph nodes, spleen, possibly also the bone marrow and the blood. And on the other side, and this is probably increasingly important throughout the, the chronic disease course of multiple sclerosis within the central nervous system. Now, this is probably the most exciting slide for 2000 uh, to 2010. This is the first clinical trial showing that anti-CD20, namely in this case rituximab, depleting B cells, is abolishing development of new MS lesions. This, quite honestly, was rather unexpected because at that time, we, th we all thought that antibodies are the most important uh, uh, function that B cells exert in multiple sclerosis. And from this, actually, a whole uh, research area started into looking at the function of B cells themselves, namely um, looking into the role of B cells as antigen presenting cells. You can clearly see that new lesion development is halted by rituximab in this clinical trial. And this then also is true for the successors such as ocalizumab and also ofatumab, so further developed anti-CD20s. This looks phenomenal when you look at clinical efficacy. So what is a possible limitation in, a limitation in the current uh, therapeutic strategy using anti-CD20 depleting B cells? Well, as we just looked at, 
um, B cells are, of course, the pool for plasma cells, and plasma cells produce antibodies. And those antibodies are not only harmful um, when they turn into uh, autoreactive antibodies against the central nervous system, but they are, of course, also protective. We know this from, um, from all the uh, vaccinations that we uh, commonly get. And here you can see patients continuously depleted of B-cells using ocrelizumab in these uh, trials. When you split those patients by quartiles, you can see that each individual patient starts at an individual level. But nevertheless, the level of antibody production, in this case IgM, continuously declines. And this is extremely important. This is a six-year study now, and you can see the lower limit of normal is, um, is regularly not affected. But nevertheless, production of endogenous antibodies declines over time. And in this regard, we also think that protection um, declines over time. IgM, as you all are aware, turns into IgG. And here you can see the IgG levels from the identical patients, um, much higher level because IgG is, of course, the most prevalent um, immunoglobulin. And again, you see that these are constantly declining. So IgG is believed to be the protective um, antibody uh, subtype. And in this case, we believe that continuous depletion um, of antibodies via anti-CD20 uh, may not be a non-limited process. So now in this whole scenario, of course, the interest into a B-cell-directed therapy that is using an alternative mechanism uh, is interesting and is probably important in the future. And this namely is uh, inhibition of a small um, enzyme named uh, BTK Bruton's tyrosine kinase. And as you can see in this little cartoon, BTK is centrally involved in the activation of B cells via their B cell receptor, but it's also centrally involved in activation of myeloid cells. And this is probably very important because we have a dual mechanism and this dual mechanism ensures that both ways that the immune system has to specifically recognize antigen, either the B cell receptor or uh, the FC receptor is um, uh, dependent on uh, BTK and therefore BTK inhibition can completely uh, reduce recognition of autoantigen. I think three things are probably important. First of all, I already mentioned that um, therefore BTK inhibition acts both on B cells but also myeloid cells. This might be important when you think of the best possible um, uh, patient criteria that BTK inhibition can be used for, as we believe that B cells are extremely important in generating relapses and generating lesion formation, but that myeloid cells are probably more important throughout the disease in, in the chronic stage and particularly also in uh, primary progressive multiple sclerosis. Second, you can of course see from this approach that the B cells themselves stay intact and that also B cell function stays intact. And we believe that it's super important that these B cells can be reactivated whenever they are called to duty, so to say, to fight an infection or um, to, for example, regulate other uh, immune responses. And this is leading to the third point that is, of course, differentiating from anti-CD20. And we appreciate this particular 
um, uh, point now in the situation of uh, the COVID-19 um, pandemic situation, that this approach, of course, is completely reversible. So we ourselves in our lab uh, did some studies exactly on that question, and we see that the turnover of BTK ensures that the effect is completely reversible within a couple of days. We can look at uh, the different um, BTK inhibitors currently in development for multiple sclerosis. And what I think is extremely important is, of course, first of all, competition. So there are multiple inhibitors and they all differ. For example, in the extent of CNS penetration. So um, it will be important, probably, particularly when we look at PPMS trials, how efficient these BTK inhibitors um, cross uh, over the blood-brain barrier. Myeloid cells also include microglia, and therefore inhibition of microglia by BTK inhibitors might be an important aspect uh, when we look at PPMS trials. And you can see that obviously there is a lot of interest and there is a lot of um, engagement with um, a variety of phase 3 trials that Xavier Montalban is about to uh, present in the second part here. And for me, at least from the mechanistic point um, uh, of view, it's, uh, it's extremely important that probably we will find out which of these BTK inhibitors is particularly suitable to treat relapsing remitting MS, presumably by their effect on B cells, but also which one might be particularly capable of halting progression in, in MS by crossing the blood-brain barrier and by the most potent effect on myeloid cells. Hello, my name is Xavier Montalban. I'm working at the University Hospital by the Brown in Barcelona. Welcome to this activity on the clinical development of PDK inhibitors for multiple sclerosis. If we have 14 molecules to treat our patients with multiple sclerosis, why do we need another one? Uh, the reason is that we are targeting mainly acute inflammation but perhaps we're not treating correctly the chronic inflammatory activity and also uh, neurodegeneration. Because of the mechanism of action of uh, BDK inhibitors, but we can speculate that we can have um, an impact on periphery, but also on the CNS, and therefore um, uh, improving progression of disability or neurodegeneration. We have a number of uh, BDK inhibitors in clinical development for MS. Um, I will be just uh, talking about ebubrutinib, uh, tolibrutinib, fenibrutinib, and remibrutinib. For ebubrutinib, I will be sharing with you the phase two trial, which has already been um, uh, published in New England Journal of Medicine a couple of years ago. We wanted to compare different doses of ebubrutinib against placebo, but we also had a open-label reference arm with bimethylfumarate. The primary endpoint was at 24 weeks. It was a, primary, an MRI primary endpoint, the number of gadolinium-enhancing lesions. As you see here, all patients switched to everrutinib 75 once per day after 48 weeks, but then we all, uh, all of them switched to everrutinib 75 twice per day, but because it was the most efficacious uh, dose. The main inclusion criteria were a little bit challenging. We allowed uh, patients to be 65, up to 65. We also allowed SPMS patients to be enrolled in the, in the trial. All of them were active, of course, and uh, EDSS uh, was up to six. 
the baseline characteristics of uh, the abobrutinib phase two trial, uh, as I suspected, patients were a little bit older than the typical population for these trials. Patients were active. EDSS was a little bit higher as well. And the uh, percentage of patients with uh, gadolinium-enhancing lesions at baseline was between 38 to 43%, which is quite common for these sort of trials. The most important slide of the phase two trial, the uh, primary endpoint, you can see here that the two doses of 75 once and twice per day uh, were effective, effective in decreasing the number of gadolinium-enhancing lesions against placebo, and that was a statistically significant phase two trial was not powered to show any uh, effect on analyzed lab rate. However, if you look to this figure, you realize that the two uh, 75 milligrams dose had a trend to decrease the analyzed lab rate in relation to placebo favoring ibrutinib. In relation to safety, lymphocyte depletion, no increase infection risk, no increased risk for systemic tolerability issues. We observe, of course, a transient and reversible increase in uh, liver enzymes. All patients were asymptomatic. This is the uh, tolibrutinib phase 2b trial. We had two uh, arms using a placebo run-in, a placebo run-out, a very short period of time, the primary endpoint being the number of new T1 gadolinium-enhancing lesions after 12 weeks of uh, tolibrutinib, patients were a little bit younger than the ones um, uh, recruited in the evobrutinib phase two trial. And also um, uh, quite a similar proportion of patients had gadolinium-enhancing lesions at baseline. The uh, main uh, result you can see here is that the 60 milligram arm of tolibrutinib was very effective in reducing the number of gallium-enhancing lesions against placebo. No um, serious adverse events. Um, again, some um, uh, liver enzymes uh, elevations, uh, but nothing symptomatic. What about fenibrutinib? Fenibrutinib has no um, experience in treating patients with multiple sclerosis. Uh, but they have um, a number of trials in other autoimmune disorders, such as rheumatoid arthritis or SLE, and also urticaria. Uh, at the end, more than 1,000 patients have been uh, participating in, in the clinical trial program. Again, safety, well, mainly liver enzyme elevations. This is the combined safety data. So what about the phase three program? Uh, that all these uh, molecules are now running. Everutinib is running two uh, large um, uh, phase three trials on relapsing MS, comparing everutinib against terifunomide, and the uh, estimated primary completion will be September 23. For tolibrutinib, we have a large phase three program, relapsing remitting an SPMS, and the comparator is terifunomide. But also, tolibrutinib has a, a very interesting um, uh, trial uh, in a very specific clinical phenotype, the non-relapsing SPMS, which is a difficult population, and also another trial on PPMS. And the two uh, progressive trials, the, the comparator is placebo.
Fenibrutinib, uh, two uh, relapsing MS uh, trials, the FENHANS-1 and FENHANS-2 on uh, relapsing MS again. The estimated primary completion of this trial is September 2024. Also, Fenibrutinib is running a trial on PPMS, and uh, interestingly, they are using Oculizumab, which is a very effective medication uh, uh, as the comparator. Remibrutinib, two large phase three trials uh, in relapsing multiple sclerosis. Again, all of them should be active and uh, is going to be compared with, um, with telefunomide as well. So as you can see, we have quite a number of, um, well, in fact, I would say an impressive number of trials using BDK inhibitors. I think this never happened before. And uh, that means something. That means that uh, we do believe that this novel mechanism of action with a dual mechanism of action perhaps could be effective, not only in reducing the, um, the uh, inflammatory activity relapse rate, but also in reducing disability progression. Let's see what happens. We'll have the answer in a couple of years from now. Thank you very much for your attention. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.